0: Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You are here with an open mind because that is the rule and not the exception. Today, we're going to talk about epistemic humility. We all know what humility is, being humble. But when we link it with epistemology or knowledge, we talk about knowledge claims. How much knowledge do we have? What are are our limitations? And do we recognize those limitations, especially in the realm of leadership leading others and even followership? I'm going to tell a quick story today, a story I've told before. I've even told this on another podcast, but it's my own personal experience and lack of epistemic humility that I will discuss and some lessons that I learned along the way. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then, a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of Leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leidosophy, Tim Wood. Friends, welcome back. What is epistemic humility? We're gonna, we need to first cover that before I tell my short story. Epistemic humility, I I believe, there's a lot of ideas out there about epistemic humility, but essentially realizing that our knowledge is limited in scope and depth. And it's probably far more limited than we realize. We gotta know when we're getting in over our heads, when we stray beyond the bounds of our circle of competence. When do I ask for help? When do I realize that I need help? And as far as asking for help, asking people with more knowledge, reaching out to people with more knowledge, when do I do that? Even though I know it's going to make me feel vulnerable, I'm going to experience vulnerability. Sometimes it's hard for people to ask for help because of the conditions of vulnerability it creates. So here's a quick story. I've, again, I've told this story many times. A lot of people have heard this story before. And, but I, I've never told it through the lens of Lidosophy. I've never reflected on the story through the lens of, of Lidosophy and especially of knowledge and epistemology, my lack of knowledge in certain areas. It's a story of, again, where I, I strayed beyond the bounds of my circle of confidence. And this is a story of failure. Really, it's a story of failure and a story of a lot of luck. Because it could have been the story could have ended up ended up way worse than it than it did. And it's about a a dangerous Coast Guard mission that I embarked upon in circa 2003. I was the operator of a Coast Guard boat, a 47 foot motor lifeboat. And the unit I was at was based out of Fort Bragg, California, northern California and the northwest coast of, of California, probably about two hours from the Oregon, California border. Our mission this evening or that night in 2003 was to cross a hazardous ocean bar and a ocean bar is essentially where the, where in this sense, the Pacific ocean meets a river and where these two things meet, where the ocean and the, and the, and the river meet, it can, also, can often be very treacherous conditions, especially when the sea conditions are rather large. As the sea conditions on the west coast of, of the United States are coming from the west and it meets a river, all this water has to go somewhere. And then you throw in the winds and the tides and the currents and everything like that. And it can be a very treacherous place. So again, we, our mission was to escort multiple fishing vessels who were fishing for Dungeness Crab. They were heading back to Fort Bragg, California, trying to get in before darkness to offload their catch. Our mission, what I perceived our mission to be, was to escort these fishing vessels into safety across the bar, safely from the ocean into the river, to where they could moor up and offload their catch. The sea conditions that night were building to approximately 16 to 20 feet, somewhere in that range. And this was a forecasted weather. This was coming. It was in, in nighttime. was was a foot. Nighttime was coming. I'll never forget the ocean and the sky that night were coal black, and the waves sounded like a freight train. So I made the decision that night to launch my Coast Guard boat, and I also directed another Coast Guard boat to launch on what I classify now as a perceived and projected search and rescue mission. On each boat, there was, I think, five or six of us on each boat. So you're talking 11 or 12, 10 or 12 Coast Guard members heading out into the dangerous nighttime sea to escort fishing vessels to safety. In hindsight and reflection, there was no need to accept this mission as I perceived it based upon the sea, t- sea conditions and the, and the conditions of being at nighttime. No one was in distress. And by distress, no one was their lives in immediate danger, as if like they fell into the ocean or they fell overboard, fell off their boat. That's immediate distress where we launch and save a life. This was not the case. No one needed rescue this was an idea that I projected the fishing fleet, the crab fishing fleet had the opportunity to wait out the sea conditions out in the middle of the ocean where it was more calm and they could wait out until morning arrived or they could have made the decision to cross the hazardous bar that night And our coast guard crews could have simply stayed inside the river. We didn't have to cross the dangerous bar and out into the ocean. We could have just waited inside. And if, A fishing boat was trying to come in and they capsized. They got hit broadside by a wave. Everybody went overboard, kind of a worst case scenario. At that point, we could have made the decision to cross the treacherous bar and go effect a rescue. That didn't matter to me. I crossed the bar anyways. Again, all the fishing boats were out in the middle of the ocean. They're safe. I decided to cross the bar anyways and directed the other Coast Guard boat to do the same thing. I felt pressed to join the fishing fleet offshore. I felt pressed to give them a sense of calmness, knowing that the Coast Guard was out there alongside of them, almost holding their hand. That was the metaphor, the vision I had in my mind. And this was naive. It was extremely naive. I was young at the time. I was probably mid-20s. Very, not very very much experience at all in the grand scheme of ocean experience the fishermen out on the boats crabbing they had years more experience than me some of them probably had 30 40 or 50 years more experience than i operating out on the ocean in this area so once we got outside across the bar once we crossed the hazardous bar conditions and again imagine the sounds of a freight train of the ocean roaring imagine being picked pitch black you can't see anything except the lights behind you from the from the town once i got out in the ocean it was very hard to maintain control of my coast guard boat due largely to the size of the sea conditions and the combination with the darkness my electronics my navigation packages worked my radar my compass but they were really no match for the sea conditions i think at one point we were dangerously close to hazardous cliffs, submerged rocks, rocks the size of, size of semi-trucks. And by my calculations, I think we came dangerously close to, or I came dangerously close to potentially bad, badly injuring my crew or even maybe killing somebody and destroying the Coast Guard boat. Prior to launching that night on that mission, I don't remember asking for much input. I don't remember really asking for a whole lot of input at all, mainly on the fact of whether we needed to accept this mission. This was a team leadership failure on my part. I was operating above my skill limits, and I was afraid to admit this to anyone. It was a team leadership failure. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you were over your head a little bit in in a project you were doing or undertaking? But you felt maybe because you were put in charge of this person, maybe you were the designated leader. You had to show the direction. You had to have the ideas of how to tackle this task. Back to this mission that night. I assume this mission or objective Was necessary. It was not. That was a failed assumption on my part. Have you ever had a mission or objective that you were tunnel visioned into the idea that you had to do it? That's a leadership pitfall, I believe. I assumed that people needed the Coast Guard's help that night. They did not. Another failed assumption by me. I felt like we were pressed for time prior to launching. As nightfall was approaching, there was no need to press in this situation. That was, again, another failed assumption on my part. I thought time was compressing more than it actually was. We had plenty of time. But the urgency, the perceived urgency that I had as a leader caused me to probably act more erratically than I should have. I never entertained the idea of not crossing the bar of just staying inside the river and waiting for the fishing boats to come in. I never, I never entertained that idea, not that I can remember. I never experienced a mission like this. There were more seasoned Coast Guard boat drivers on my teams, and I never even asked them if they had similar experiences. I failed to draw out their experiences. I tried to appear stoic, although I was slightly to moderately panicking inside. I didn't want this mission to go badly and I knew it could. I was wearing a mask of confidence and borderline overconfidence. That's my story on epistemic humility or more importantly, my lack of epistemic humility and how it can get you in trouble as a leader. It can cause you to do things. It can cause you to stray outside your circle of confidence. It can cause you to make poor decisions. It could cause you to make poor decisions on the behalf of others that can hurt them, whether it's physically or emotionally. A raging sea is the destroyer of egos. She exposes your flaws and limitations, and she does not discriminate. Despite her beauty, she destroys life and property equally That's my story on Leadosophy today. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Thanks for listening to me go on with this story. Wherever you are, if you're listening or watching, I'm grateful. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.